depression, anxiety, <laughs> talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 sunnies. I'm Katie Dahl, and this is Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I know you may have tuned in thinking this is a WebMD podcast, but shockingly, I am not a doctor. I'm just a person who is very passionate about your mental health, and this is purely to make you feel less weird, less alone about the shit that's going on inside of your brain. So, how am I feeling? I'm good. It feels good to finally be recording again. Um, I had to put the podcast on an every other week schedule because I've been dealing with packing and moving and setting up my new space, but I'm finally finished moving into my new house and This is the first thing that I'm recording in the new space. It it feels really fun, but also weird. I do feel a sense of grounding. I'm building a space that I will be in for several years, and so I'm very grateful for that. But also, I have to say, it took me a little while to settle in. I mean, I went from living alone, secluded, in my little isolation bubble where no one could ever trigger my anxiety or talk to me, (laughs) to a house that is under construction. Yeah, we're doing a remodel. We're living in a in a construction zone. So, yeah, the house is under construction. I've got a boyfriend who is there all the time. I can't just run away from him when I need alone time. And then the uh, construction worker or the contractor asking me questions about the house all the time. So, yeah, I got to say, that was a big shock to the system. But I'm just so thrilled to finally have my little podcast set up here and... Today is the first day that I feel like I can finally think my own thoughts. So, thank God, we're back, baby. And, yeah, like I said, every other week for now, I will be putting out the episodes. And once I feel a little bit more settled here, then I'll get back to putting out those episodes once a week. But, you know, for now, since I'm a one-woman band... I got to do things on my own schedule and not drive myself too crazy. I mean, yes, this is a mental health podcast, but I don't want to be documenting my own mental health breakdown due to this podcast. So let's keep it chill, right? Right. On to today's episode. Uh, Today, we have actress, comedian, host of the self-love body positivity podcast, A Hot Pizza Ass, Erin Darling Taralva. We dive into a lot of really fun topics that I think you guys are going to love. Body positivity, trigger warning, we do talk about eating disorders. We also talk about the hero's journey, productivity during quarantine, and our dog mom adoption stories. So pet lovers, this one's for you. And also, I don't know if I've talked about this enough on here because I try not to involve you in the nuts and bolts of it. But because Aaron's also a podcast host, we got really into what it takes to build a podcast all on your own. So super solid listen. And when you're done with the episode, please feel free to check out the episode guides and other mental health resources, which are on cryingbehindpod.com. And we have our private Facebook support group on facebook.com slash group slash cryingbehindpod. Also, you can check out the Instagram at cryingbehindpod. 
On Mondays, we are still keeping that Zoom weekly on Meetup going. So if you want to see the link for that and you want to have a safe space to talk about mental health issues, you can see that on our Instagram. And we are partnered with the mental health nonprofit Stronger Than Stigma for that. So it's it's a really great thing that we've been doing. And I have to say, during isolation, my favorite thing, my favorite way to kind of reset my brain when I feel like I'm spinning out and everything just feels so monotonous is to either log on or safely distance and find a way to talk to someone else (laughs) to feel a little bit normal. I'm an extrovert. I like that. So yeah. Anyway, without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Please say hello to Erin Darling Taralva. Hello. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I know you're a busy lady, so I appreciate you, you know, taking the time. <laughs> well, you know what? There's something that happens in a pandemic where all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden you've got a lot of free time to do a bunch of podcasts and to launch your own. By the way, congratulations. You launched yours in a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, you know how much work goes into launching a podcast. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. You know what? It really is. I, um, I've been doing mine for about a year now, which we were talking about, but I've been through such a weird journey with it because, you know, when you're completely independent, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. And then also to have a consistent schedule when you have a normal job or normal responsibilities it is definitely a lot. Um, how are you doing with all of that? How has your experience been, been so far? Uh, it's been good. I mean, when I first was starting, it, I've made films before. I've made comedy sketches. And I thought like, oh, this is just audio. It's going to be so easy. I'm just going to talk to someone once a week and put it out an episode once a week. It's going to be so easy. And then you don't realize that once you get into it, there's a lot more. It's like, oh, it's not just recording. You got to schedule these people. You got to promote it. I like to be very thorough. I write out um, little episode guides that are kind of like a whole blog post to go with each episode. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it. (laughs) Wow, that's more than what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm, uh, I I thought about it. I'm like, oh my God, maybe I'm putting too much on myself, but I feel passionate enough about it that. I feel good about it. Yeah. Tell me more for the listeners to learn more about A Hot Pizza Ass, which best title, honestly. I know about it because I've been following your journey on social media and everything to see how you've been more about self-acceptance and body positivity and that sort of thing. But I, I would love to hear like where that idea came from and why you decided to like turn that into a podcast. Yeah, well, I started it because... You know, I have struggled with body image and I've struggled with eating disorders throughout pretty much all of my adult life. And if you really look back at where it started, it started in my adolescence as a kid. And so I think a lot of coming to terms with this and and accepting it and overcoming it and loving myself, which was a big part of overcoming it, has led me to this path to want to talk about it. So when I launched it, I mean, I honestly, the the stupid answer to the question is I put a piece of pizza on my butt and I took a picture of it on Instagram 
And I uploaded it and I had this caption that was like, I'm a hot pizza ass. I'm choosing to love myself. My body is different every day, blah, blah, blah. And it became like my most popular post and also like my most hated. I lost a hundred plus followers that day on Instagram. And that really confused me. But I also realized, oh, there's something here. Like there's something that's really polarizing about this. Um, and I don't know if it was the, the fact I was accepting myself um, I don't know if people just saw the image and they were like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Or if it was the fact I was talking about what I've been through. I have no clue. But I mean, I don't know who would be upset about seeing a pizza and a butt. Those are two amazing things that should always be together. Why not? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> what I thought too. And I thought I knew the image. Also, here's another aspect of this. Whenever a woman chooses to really love herself, love her body, to talk about it, uh, to choose to love it and be vocal about it, you're going to have haters. And that's something that I realized also on this path. Like the more over the last couple of years that I've become more comfortable with my body, become more accepting of my own skin, I have received a lot of people that are uncomfortable with that. So that's a trigger, right? So right there, we know a lot of people have feelings about this, which also makes me want to talk about it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that is true. But the people who are reaching out, who are trying to either tear you down or uh, have a negative opinion about you finally celebrating yourself and accepting yourself, that's, that's about them. That's not about you. Oh yeah, no, for sure. But again, like back to the podcast, that's exactly why I wanted to talk about these issues because I know I have this journey. It's just me though, but everyone has that journey. Men have this journey. Women have this journey. People who ident don't identify with a gender have this journey. People who change genders have this journey. Anyone feels weird at their body at a certain point in time in their life, you know? I don't know a single person that has gone through their whole life with 1 million percent confidence. That would be amazing. I would love to meet them if they exist, but I haven't met anyone like that yet. Like the human experience is very much like not liking yourself, trying to figure it out, and then eventually coming full circle to acceptance and love. And so that's kind of why I ended up talking about this so much on the podcast. And of course, it started off with my journey, which is a lot about my body, but Everyone has that journey in one way or another, whether it's their sexuality, whether it's choosing the career path that their parents didn't want them to go down, whether it's, you know, going from broke to being successful. Like everyone has a version of the story and that's kind of where Hot Pizza Ass was born. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it's, it is, it's the hero's journey. I mean, if you, anyone who learns how to do screenwriting, it's kind of like, that's the outline, like, okay, there's something that's broken inside of yourself, something that you feel like you need to fix or you or something you're trying to hide from the world because you feel ashamed about it. And then you have to go out into the world, learn more about yourself, learn to accept it, learn to love it. And then somehow it comes full circle. That's a movie. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. And we're all the movie stars of our own lives. <laughs> but I don't know anyone that's had a 1 million percent easy path, even if they've had all the advantage of, of the world, even if they've had, you know, the privilege of being born into a certain family in a certain neighborhood or go to a certain school that everyone wants to get in. I don't know anyone that doesn't have a struggle in their journey. No, I mean, that's, that's part of being human, but that's also what I think I'm trying to do here is shine a light on those struggles because it is easy to look from the outside and think, oh, 
that person has it so easy. They've never been through anything, but when we can open up and talk about these things and share how we got to where we are today, then it can be uh, more encouraging for other people out there who are struggling. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, we're, we're all in this shit together, especially right now. I mean, we're all having a collective experience <laughs> during this. Pandemic, oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. And I think that also there's an element of with social media. I mean, I used to say living in Los Angeles, but now it's not even that it's social media helps us create the facade, helps us create the image that we can easily hide behind, like hide crying behind sunglasses, right? Like you, right. You might look so glamorous and happy, but behind you are dying inside. And that's just, like you said, it's the human experience. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think I used to have a lot of shame around sharing more of those negative, vulnerable feelings, trying to just kind of put on a front, but it never felt right. And it does feel so liberating to be able to just say, you know what, I'm not okay today. And just kind of own that. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks, mom. (laughs) Yeah, I'm proud of you for, you know, for coming to that point and for talking about it and for creating a whole show about it. Yeah, yeah, it just feels, it feels like the right thing to do right now. And I'm one of those people where I'm like, it's a fuck yes, or it's no, right? Like, I'm not going to create something unless I feel like I can commit to it 100%. And the only way I'm going to commit to something 100%, at least for me, is if I'm super passionate about it. So as much as I would have loved to create a podcast about wine, you know, I don't know if I would have found a deeper meaning <laughs> within that. I, after maybe like 10 episodes, I would have been like, okay, I've, I've tried all the varietals. Where do we go now? That can be your limited edition, like <laughs> one season run type of project. You can do the wine podcast. Actually, I'll join you. I'll do it with you. I'll just try every single varietal that's available within like a 10 mile radius. Yeah, got like 12 episodes and you're like, all right, moving on. (laughs) Great. Well, stay tuned, guys. That'll be our spinoff. Yeah. What? God, what would that be? Like, uh, I feel like we have to incorporate like pizza and sunglasses and wine somewhere in there. (laughs) I feel like that's just like, basically, we'd be travel bloggers. We should just call it travel bloggers. (laughs) Except we don't travel. We just drink wine and we have pizza and wear sunglasses. Yes, yes. It's, it's like a virtual travel thing, which I think I've done that a little bit during COVID where you're just like dreaming about where you might get to go after. Yeah. Uh, or we travel to the only bars that are open right now. We sit on the patio six feet apart. <laughs> I, I'm really into this idea. I feel like I feel like this is a great pitch session. <laughs> For for our next like weird side project. Um, also, I was going to ask you about just circling back to you said that you had this whole journey that you went on personally that, start, that started this podcast. So when you were growing up, was there a certain point in your childhood or in your puberty where you started to be like more aware of how your body looks and how you felt about that? Yeah. I mean, there's so many examples. And of course, like I think in every single episode, a lot of this gets uncovered, but one that comes to mind right now, I was a dancer. And so I was very aware of my body and I am a Latina. So I'm curvy. I've always had boobs. Well, after puberty and I've always had booty and thighs. And I was also a ballerina. 
And when you don't look a certain way or when you don't have the, the right type of really thin body, it, it looks like you have bad form. Back, back then, it was kind of different. I feel like now you could probably be curvy and, and be okay. But I remember, here's a good one. I was at the bar doing my bar exercises in the morning, and the teacher kept coming back to me telling me to, to tuck my hips under, tuck your hips under, tuck your butt in. And I was like, I am. And I remember at that point, I hadn't really found my voice. I wasn't that confident. And I also wasn't good at standing up to authority. So I didn't really know what to say other than just, you know, I'm like, I would just try to take the note. But in my mind, I was like screaming, like, bitch, this is my body. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There's only, this is the thing. There's only so much you can tuck in. If you have a butt, you have a butt. You can't suck that in. It just is. Right. And then I remember I went to a performing arts school and there was this really competitive dance squad that I always wanted to be on. Mm -hmm. And I um, didn't make it one year, like my first year auditioning. And I was devastated. I was crushed. And so um, my mom saw I was like on the verge of like depression. And so she called the teacher or the coach to ask like, hey, what were her notes? Like, what, can I tell her anything? What did she do wrong? How come she didn't make it into the team? And that was her note too. It was like her Aaron's lines aren't straight enough, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I was like, I've been dancing since I was age seven or eight. Of course I'm not perfect, but I'm never gonna have a board flat line in anything I do. Like the second I turn to the side, <laughs> You see it. I have boobs. I have butt. It's just my life, you know? And um, it's so silly because they're basing this straight line thing on someone who has no boobs, no butt, which is also a valid body type. It's fine. But like, why force everyone to go into that same box? People have different shaped bodies and that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. And I just, I, it made, these are the things that made me like hate myself. These were the things that made me count calories. These are the things that made me eat a handful of almonds for breakfast or whatever, like all the dumb stuff I would do. I remember also, here's an embarrassing one. I ordered a book in the mail and I was, there was so much shame. I was so embarrassed and humiliated. I ordered this book um, that I saw like in the back of a magazine, like 17 magazine or teen magazine. And it was like an ad or something for how to lose weight, how to learn how to be on a diet. I was in middle school and oh. I had money. I had no allowance or anything like that. I would just ask my parents for stuff when I needed it, like clothes or school supplies, the basic things. And I wanted to order this book and I saved cash and sent them cash in the mail and got back this shitty little book with the worst like dieting advice. Like this is some of the advice it had in there. It was like, if you want to eat something like a brownie, imagine something disgusting inside of it, like a dead fly. And then you don't <laughs> want to eat it. These were like, it was like negative visualization techniques for kids. It was really messed up, but I probably still have that somewhere. I should try to find it and just laugh at it. But I mean, that's how far I've come. You know, like that was me. I was ordering books online, trying to figure out how to get skinny. I was not getting opportunities in entertainment because I didn't have straight lines. And I was having people always telling me that my butt was always sticking out when it was just my butt. So of course I'm going to hate myself, right? So you know, I've, I've really grown up, girl. I've come a long way. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a grown-ass 
beautiful woman. I'm, I, I'm a fan. I'm on board. And, and Katie, though, that's the thing. It's like when, like when I posted that picture of myself with the pizza on the butt, mm-hmm. people saw the picture, but they don't know the years and years and years of indoctrination of diet culture that I had to like traverse through to get to the point where I felt okay posting that picture. That was a big deal for me too. I took those pictures maybe like a month or two before and I sat on it and I was looking at it thinking, I'm going to get judged. Someone's going to say something. I, maybe I don't look that great. I don't know. Is this disgusting? Thinking all of these thoughts until I finally just had the courage to be like, post, I don't care. And that's the thing. People don't see the journey behind it. Anytime you have a moment of I'm going to do this. They don't know. Like this yeah. started when I was like 10. <laughs> but now they know. I mean, you're, you're out there, you're speaking about it. And the more that you share about your journey and people actually take the time to listen, they will understand. So it's, it's a journey. But I, I think, yeah, if you, if you just look at the photo and you don't do any further research, sure, you're just like, oh, okay, pizza on a butt that's artistic and sexy. I think I don't get it. Right. But like you can look further into it. Like you said, it's a long journey. And I think every single person has a different thing about their body that they have to learn to accept. Like for me, I'm not going to pretend that I need to be a body positivity advocate because I'm tiny. And like, you know, I haven't really felt that same thing of like, oh, you're too big. Right. But on the opposite end, I have an A-cut boobs, right? I'm tiny up there. And society for a long time is always just talking about giant boobs, especially growing up in the 90s. I mean, it was all, you know, boob implants everywhere. And I remember getting to that point of being like, huh, like, do I need to get boob implants? You know, like, is that what I need to become a full woman? Because these things are not getting any bigger, right? And I still, to this day, I think that it's only been in the last few years that I feel comfortable enough to wear a top without a bra on. Cause the reason I wear a bra isn't really as much for support as it is for padding. We're being honest. <laughs> okay. And so for me to like go out in the world in a tank top with no bra on, I used to be like, Oh my God, I look like a 12 year old boy. Like I, I look so stupid, you know? And now I, I'm learning more and more to embrace it and to be open about it and to feel like, Oh, you know what? Like, this is sexy too. It's okay. I don't have to have all that cleavage. Just like, I, would I love to have it? Sure. But like, this is its own thing and that's fine too. Yeah. I mean, Katie, I can't tell you how many times I uh, wish that I had no boobs. <laughs> and then I also remember like weirdly getting validated for having them when I went through puberty at age 12 or 13 or whatever, you know? So it was like, it was a very confusing experience because you're in one side, you're, you're getting attention but also it's like, I feel like I'm fat, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a really, it's you weird. You can't win. You can't win. Cause you're either like you, you get the boobs and then you get all this weird attention for it, or you don't have the boobs and everyone makes fun of you for that. It's like, okay, well then where we can't win. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard. It's hard being, I mean, anyone in the world, I was going to say a woman, but I know men also have their experiences too of, you know, a body type that they should look like. They don't have it as marketed to them as we do, but it does exist. You know, they do experience those pressures as well. Yeah. You know what I was just thinking about? I just, cause I, I, I have like a few of your pages open while we're on the interview and I was just inspired. I've been watching 
these sketches that you've been doing during quarantine that have brought me so much joy. Everyone, please go on her Instagram or Twitter or watch them where you're just acting against yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm obsessed. And I, the reason you I, you I brought it up is because often you're playing two different characters that are very different look, very different voices, you know, and it seems like you're showing um, very different parts of your personality. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the first time I did a sketch like that, obviously quarantine has made us be more creative and I am, I have me and I have like my boyfriend and that's kind of it, he's not an actor. So I am now in a position where I'm either acting with myself or I'm acting with my dog or I'm not acting with anyone. So the first time I did one of these sketches, the whole concept was meeting yourself for the first time. And I was like, what would be the most awful time to meet yourself? And I was like, oh my God, like hung over as shit so that was the first one I did what was like the motivated version of me that's up early that wants to do a hike that's you know gonna take my vitamins and get things going and then the version of me that's like I don't want to do anything I don't want to move so that was the first time I kind of did like a meeting yourself type of video and then like with these other ones I've done the characters change a little bit but honestly they all are kind of derivative of that it's kind of like the person that is maybe like more reactive and the person that's more in control. And sure. that's me AF. That is like, so <laughs> like I am a fiery Latina. Like I have opinions. Like I get like really excited about stuff. I get feisty about stuff. And then I have like the version of me that's like more like I'm planning things. This is my day. Like I'm going to do A, B, and C and I'm going to achieve this goal. And then there's the version of me that's just like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> and so are those two versions of yourself, um, peacefully coexisting or do they battle? I mean, constantly they battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are times when one of them takes over and takes the lead and makes it easier, but yeah, like even today, today's a really good example because it's an awful day. When people listen to this podcast, I don't know where they're going to be. I don't know what year it's going to be. I don't know what state it's going to be, but today in Los Angeles where Katie and I are both at, there are fires and there are fires in Northern California. Our whole state is ablaze. Our whole sky is full of smog and smoke. The air quality is awful. And every time you look outside, it looks like a pending storm. Mm -hmm. So that has had a huge effect on my mood. I'll wake up in the morning being my type A, I'm gonna get stuff done self. And by the end of the day, I'm like, when can I start drinking that wine? Like, this is so depressing has a huge effect on my mood and my motivation when every time I look out a window, I know I can't go outside. I shouldn't go outside. It's unhealthy to go outside. And also that constant fear of, do I have to evacuate? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really scary. I mean, it happens every year, the fire season in California, but I think that this year it seems worse and it also feels heavier because the one thing that was the best thing about quarantine is like oh well we're allowed to go outside at least we can go walk the dog or just take a stroll around the neighborhood and now that one thing that was really lifting my mood is just taken away from me <laughs> yeah so it's not like and I I feel what you're saying where it I don't know if I have two sides to myself I don't I don't see it as much of a binary for me I'm kind of I, like I've got a lot of different moods. I got a lot of different things going on, but I definitely, definitely have the type A thing a lot. And then I have the kind of like emo kid 
that floats around a lot who just wants to like write in her journal or like lay in bed all day and be sad about nothing. So I feel like when I wake up and I see the sky like that, it's like dark and orange and weird. And I know that when I go outside, I'm going to breathe in the smoke. It's going to make me feel bad. It's kind of like, well, what? what's the point in getting up early? You know, what's the point in anything? So I, I understand what you're saying. It takes a little bit of extra work to get motivated. It's, it's almost like, I remember when I lived in New York, a lot of people have seasonal affective disorder in the winter when it's too cold to go outside. Kind of similar feeling, except for now there's like added on top, there's impending doom. So. Right. Yeah. I feel like I, I have allergies. It's almost like seasonal affective disorder in reverse because then I don't want to go outside because I know I'm just going to be crying through all my mascara and sneezing every two seconds unless I, you know, take Claritin. God forbid I forget. <laughs> have you ever have you ever tried a neti pot? Everyone keeps suggesting that to me and I have and I hate it. I hate that feeling of the water running through. It really creeps me out. But everyone's like, yeah, it's amazing. It changed I mean, my life. It is a very creepy feeling. I'm not going to pretend that it's a comfortable experience. It's gross. It feels weird. However, it does it does flush things out, you know? So it's kind of like, okay, you do that, especially during a time like this where there are a lot of things in the air. I also have seasonal allergies, so just throwing that out there. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. I might have to order one. <laughs> Oh, sunnies. I don't know about you, but as this year drags on, my concept of reality has gotten very skewed. I often feel like I need an outside opinion from someone else to figure out what is going on in my life. My friends and my dog can only take so much venting. (laughs) So my favorite service, which also just so happens to be a sponsor of Crying Behind Sunglasses is better help. But I, honestly, like even if they weren't sponsoring this podcast, I would still be telling you about them because I love what they are doing. They have licensed professional therapists online and they will match you to someone who is best suited for your needs. You can do video or phone sessions. Plus, you can send secure messages to your therapist, get timely responses anytime you want. It's like that supportive BFF that you always wanted, except that they actually give good advice. So I'm really excited to offer this to y'all. To For my sunnies, this is an exclusive offer. You get 10% off your first month and you will also help to keep this podcast going if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's spelled H-E-L-P, but you don't have to worry. You don't even have to know how to spell because it's in the show notes. It's right there for you, babies. So yeah, I mean, the world is chaotic right now. The only constant is change. Do yourself a favor, give yourself some stability, and get a damn therapist. Betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. So, if you're in the entertainment industry, you may have noticed that things are slowly starting to come back, but it's not quite the same as the before times. So, how do we navigate this new landscape? There's no roadmap. There's just a ton of questions and wondering like, why am I not famous on TikTok yet? Or even if I was famous on TikTok, would that help me with my acting career or directing? Well, let me tell you, I have managed during COVID 
this year to pivot into voiceover, podcasting, and even some on-camera commercial work by working with my friend Jordan Ansel, who runs thrivingactor.com. It's a free website and a Facebook group of the same name that provides guidance, resources, Q&As with industry professionals, and a community of like-minded artists. Plus, Jordan is a very accomplished producer, actor, and coach with decades of experience. He's the best cheerleader. I mean, honestly, he helped me to believe in myself even when I wasn't sure if I could. I've had a lot of low points where I have had failures and I wasn't sure if I could pick myself back up and dust myself up and keep going in this crazy industry, but he's really helped me with that. So I would highly recommend that you check it out today. Thrivingactor.com. Something that I wanted to ask you about or bring up, because you're very focused on a lot of these body image issues. um, And something I've experienced a lot is that the body is very interconnected with emotions and with our mental health. And I've noticed that for me, like if I do a really good workout or stretch that it, it are like, I feel like I hold my emotions almost sometimes in certain areas of my body. Yeah. So not only my attitude towards my body, but also just being connected physically to my body, I think seems to either help or help me to process things sometimes. Have you, have you found that? Yeah. You know, what's so crazy is I have someone that works on my body. Um, she does like massage work and physical therapy work and rehabilitation. And so whenever I get body work done with her, she is the one that turned me on to all of that. Like, let me know, oh, you're holding stuff here, here, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. She started asking me questions. And that was when I really started realizing, oh my gosh, there's a connection with all of this. And I kind of started working with her like maybe 10 years ago. And so like off and on because she moved to Texas and she comes back to California for clients. So it wasn't like a steady thing where I was constantly getting this information from her, but it would like come into my life at the right time. So I started realizing, oh my gosh, you're right. Like stress manifests itself in different areas. And I always have this one area, like in my back and my upper shoulder on one side, which is very clear. I hold all of my stress there. So she can tell how stressed out I am, what I'm going through just by like touching that part of my body. It's always the part that she has to work out. Always the part where she's in there with her Jade Wushaw, just like chiseling <laughs> out. <laughs> all of the stress and all the the knots that I hold, which has been so fascinating because, you know, it's for me, I wasn't really connecting that, which is weird because I do talk about body stuff so much. And like, as a dancer, I would think that at some point in my life, I would have made that connection, but it's not until you actually lose some sort of like functionality or you realize that there's pain there. That's when you start to realize it. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I could see how how that would happen. Also, just like if you're emotionally going through something, like I think I used to, I, I still, I do a lot of yoga. I used to teach yoga and I think that was something that they taught us. Like, hey, just so you know, when you put students in this certain pose, you might have some people that just start crying. Don't be weirded out by it. I was like, oh, okay. That's good to know. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> As someone that does voice work, like we both do voice work. Yeah. Have you had a weird experience with voice stuff or breathing? Because 
I have, and I have since I was a kid. I remember I was in voice class, I was doing voice lessons, and I would sing one song and I would just start weeping. And it wasn't, it was really, really weird because I don't know why, but it was just like waterworks. I would have to get a roll of paper towels to finish the song. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this emotional connection with my voice and just that one song? And I couldn't stop it. I didn't know what was going on. But later on, like in my career as an actor and doing voice work or voice class or breath work, I started realizing how emotionally connected we are to the breath and we are to the voice and how people's voices really kind of reflect what's going on. Like if, you're, if you ever talk to someone with like a really stunted voice, like a kid, you're like, oh, they've been through some trauma probably. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Or the way someone breathes, like are they breathing like deep down in their abdomen or is it like all in their chest? Like they're stressed out. It's, like It is connected. I Actually, you just reminded me of something. Did you ever listen to Loveline like back when Dr. Drew was doing it? Of course, yeah. So if, if there was ever a person that called in with a, hi, how are you? Da, 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 like that kind of voice. Um, he would be like, so who hurt you? <laughs> and he would always, it was kind of like this weird thing. I don't remember exactly if it was him or Adam Carolla, but they had this thing where they're like, yeah, your voice is kind of frozen at the age that you experienced that trauma. Yep. So like if you were abused when you were 12 years old or something, your voice is just frozen in that time until you're able to maybe process that and deal with it right and with a lot of women too a lot of women pitch up especially if they're talking to certain people mm -hmm. um and their questions like that or you know their register will go up and you know they're it's like they're seeking approval they want they're connecting their femininity to being liked as someone with a deep voice i mean i've had to like work to settle into this but i remember you know i would do that too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually had the, a different journey because I think because I went to high school in the Valley and I remember when I went to New York to go to college, we were in these voice and speech classes, you know, in acting conservatory. And I was very concerned that I didn't want to sound like a Valley girl. So I think that I overcompensated by making my voice lower. <laughs> Does that make sense? Really? Yeah. So I think that now I'm starting to get more comfortable with not having it so low. But th this year, I just discovered that during quarantine, because I noticed that when I first started this podcast, that I, my voice was going out all the time. So I finally got in touch with a vocal coach and did a Zoom session with her. And she said, you know what, Katie, I think your voice is actually slightly higher than you're allowing it to be. You're pushing it down so that people will take you more seriously. I was like, oh. Okay, well that's that's it. That's information. <laughs> so I went the other way, which is like cuz I think it can go both ways where it's like, "Oh, hi. How are you?" Like, "Yes, I I have no opinions on anything and I'm easygoing." But then there's also the other of me being like, "Oh, I'm a very serious person. Please take me very seriously because I have this deep voice apparently." So. Yeah. I mean, even it's, maybe it's even not even that deep sometimes. Like even if I'm like, hi grandma, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like talking to certain people that you're like, I think about my childhood and I think about her. She's also starting to lose her memory. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk to my grandma, I'm pitched way the hell up. <laughs> oh yeah. Or my dog. I mean, I have a very dumb voice for my oh, dog. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can even do it on cue without looking at her. It's just like, hi, cuckoo. 
Like she has a whole language that is not English that I speak to her in. <laughs> yeah, I I do the same thing. I have noises for her. I have songs for my dog. What's your yeah, dog's name? Ripkin. Mm, Ripkin. <laughs> okay, tell us more about Ripkin. How how did we adopt Ripkin? What's what's her story? I love her so much. So she actually she my my cousin's dog. My cousin's dog had puppies with mm -hmm. my other cousin's dog. So this dog is literally family. Mm -hmm. And there there was a litter of three. She sold the other puppies and was like, "Do you want this dog?" And I was in my early 20s and I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I never had pets growing up except for one hamster who died and I just didn't have cast enough dogs and have anything because of allergies and stuff. So, and Ripkin happened to be hypoallergenic and doesn't shed. So it's like the perfect dog for me, but also, you know, like she's family and she's so cute and I had no idea what I was doing and I took this dog and I probably failed hardcore for the first couple of months. Actually, I know I failed hardcore. I, I had no clue how oh, to take wait, care. You mean like with potty training or what? Yeah, with training in general, I was not a good disciplinarian. I thought like at the time I was dating this guy and I was like, oh, I can leave her, you know, at the house. Like she's fine. I would like do stuff like that. Like I would go spend the night at my boyfriend's house, come back in the morning, be like, oh, she ate, she went potty. It's fine. But like, you really should not do that with a puppy, you know? So no. <laughs> I- Right. I just, I had no idea. Like I was learning the hard way for sure. And I know like she's very independent and very, very sassy. And I know that's because of me. Like I was not good at laying down the law. I wasn't good at training her. Like I wasn't good at the rules. So me as a dog owner was like totally at, at the beginning, not good at it, but I learned how to be good at it. And, and she kind of like showed me what she needed and so I eventually got her into puppy class and obedience school and then it's it was just a whole learning curve she turned me from a girl to a woman <laughs> I mean that's beautiful though because you had to you had to rise to the occasion so that you could yeah. actually be the kind of pet parent or dog owner that you wanted to be because this is your family, like you said, it's, it was from your cousin's dog and uh, the perfect kind of dog for you. So hypoallergenic, is it? A, is she a poodle mix? She is a Maltese-Yorkie mix. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Her, her mom was a Maltese and her dad was a Yorkie. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I know her parents, you know what I mean? Like I like know them. That, that's... Like Layla and Monchies like had babies and now I have my daughter. <laughs> I'm obsessed yeah I don't my dog's a street dog I will never know her parents uh <laughs> I always because she's literally is from the streets of Downey uh, <laughs> and she lived she, so they she was at the shelter there from when she was a few months old and then there was a rescue in LA that pulled her from there uh they're not around anymore they went out of business but it was called Saving Spot they were in WeHo uh but they pulled her from there and she lived at this rescue for a year and no one fostered her or adopted her for a full year, um, which is really weird because she's very cute. And she's also very well behaved. Like she barely barks or does anything. She's potty trained. I was like, I don't understand why no one wanted this dog. I, I don't know anything about her background. And she's such a scavenger and she's such a little, a little scamp, you know, and I think that that's because that's the, the street dog part of her. And, uh, 
the the funny part is that like if she's bad, I'm always like, well, you know, the alternative, you know what the alternative is. So you better be good because you know what it's like to not have a home. <laughs> it's like, you know where your bread is buttered. So get with it, girl. I love that that's your threat. So my dog has always had a home. So my threat to her, my fake threat is I'm going to throw you in the fire. I'm going <laughs> to throw you in the fireplace. And it's like, of course, I would never do that. But like, I have to make something up. <laughs> Yeah, no, for me, I'm like, when you're a kid and your parents, like, there's, like, the cops driving by, they're like, you're going to go to jail if you don't clean your room. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Version. yeah, you're, you're going to throw your dog in the fire. Yeah, no, I always tell her, I'm like, yeah, you, I'll, you can be on the street again tomorrow. Is that what you want? You want to be out in those mean streets of, of Los Angeles? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah it's like it's like we're being we're already being manipulative parents <laughs> well you know what I like to think actually which is I think it's a good psychological exercise to get a pet before you have kids is that like I'm just like making every mistake that I can with this dog because it's a dog and it's at the end of the day if I do a bad job okay like how much damage could she cause she's eight pounds right but like hopefully I learn from whatever mistakes I've made with her. And then when I get around to the part where I have an actual human child, I'll do better. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's not so. I don't know. I mean, I feel like she's kind of a guinea pig where I'm like, I, I can see that I've turned her into a spoiled monster and I'm like, okay, not going to do that again. Cause now she does a thing where it's like, she, it won't come unless I'm offering her a treat or a walk and yeah. you know, she should, she should right. come because she's being a good girl, but she's, that's, that's, that's over. <laughs> My dog does the same thing. She will not do stuff unless she's promised a treat or, you know, she's getting something out of it. <laughs> that's amazing. So we're getting towards the end. I want to make sure to get a little bit more of your wisdom for our listeners. So I have a little segment that I like to call hot tips, hot tips, hot tips, you know, air horns. Uh, <laughs> so if you have a bad day, like in the before times, I know you did a lot of stand up if you had a bad set, or if you uh, were writing something, it didn't quite turn out the way you wanted, or I don't know, some other terrible thing that happened in your life that put you in a bad mood. You come home. Uh, what is something that you use to lift your mood? Is it like, is it a song? Is it taking a bath? Or is it some sort of other practice? Well, for me, if I have a bad set or something goes wrong, I will just get like a glass of wine or something like that. But really what it comes down to is whether, this, whether you drink or not, you can do this. I take myself out of the situation. So if it's a comedy club or whatever, or a place where I had the show or a meeting that I felt like totally sucked, I'll get out of that location and I'll just, you know, change the vibe. I'll do something different. Like, have a glass of wine or have lunch or whatever, you know, call a friend. Um, I feel like that helps me a lot, actually. It's just like getting out of the location. Yeah, change the scenery. Yeah. I, I'll even do that if I'm at home. Like if I'm at home and I'm stuck and I'm not, you know, feeling it or I, like I'm just not vibing with whatever I'm doing, I will go out and walk down the street and get a latte. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I feel that way too. I think that's something I because we can't really change locations that easily right now. So I'll usually either go take a walk or sometimes I'll just go take a shower, just something to kind of 
switch it up because sometimes your brain gets into a loop and if you're just sitting in the same place stewing in it like it's very hard to get out of it yeah absolutely yeah I think um that's 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 a that's a good hot tip I like it I like it I wish oh yeah I I wish you you made me so nostalgic for like the before times when it was like after a comedy show and you go get a drink and you decompress you just shoot the shit with your friends have you been doing have you been doing any um any of these zoom comedy shows at all you know what I haven't I zoom comedy is not why I got into comedy and Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are like well just get your reps in or don't get rusty and do it but for me I'm more emotional than that I'm not just like a robot that's gonna do it because I feel like I need to I need to feel connected to it I need to feel connected to the audience. I like being on the stage. I like having that experience and that instant feedback. You don't get that in a Zoom show. So for me, it's very soulless. Like it's devoid of like realness to me personally. So I've decided to not. I'm kind of shifting what I'm focusing on. I'm doing podcasting more. I'm doing more writing. And, you know, it's actually really worked in my favor. Like I've had a lot of great opportunities coming from that because also in a Zoom show, let's be real, you're not going to find your next agent. You're not going to, you know, you're probably not going to get your sitcom developed in a Zoom show right now. So why not focus on the things that you have more control over, like creating content or creating ideas, you know, writing that screenplay that you wanted to write. Now you have the time to do it if you want to do it. So why not do that and take a break from standup? I don't know why people are so afraid to take breaks from standup. It's like I created this course called How to Find Your Voice in Comedy because I feel like right now, I created it because of the pandemic because we don't have a lot of stage time options, but we do have control over our our material and what we're writing and editing that material and listening back to our old shows and and really trying to find and tap into our authentic voice. That's how you kind of become a better comedian anyway. So, I mean, take advantage of that time, you know, take advantage of the, of the stillness. Don't force yourself to do 15 Zoom shows. Like look at your old material or write new material and throw out those old jokes you're tired of doing on stage. Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that. I, I feel you on the uh, the Zoom stand-up. I was just asking because I was curious what your opinion was. And I think different artists work in different ways. Some people, they feel the need to just constantly do it, right? And then, um, but the problem, like you said, with the Zoom show, you don't get that connection. You don't get to hear the laughter. You don't get to see all the people. You don't get to have that same kind of networking moment. So it's kind of, it's very different. I've done some Zoom improv shows, uh, which has been kind of interesting, and I was very reluctant at first, but what I found was I was like, you know what? Because I'm with other people doing bits with them, it's just fun for me, and I just see it as fun, and I'm like, okay, I'm just messing around with my comedy friends on a Zoom call, and we're doing bits, but if I had to be by myself doing stand-up by myself on a Zoom call, I don't think I would sign up for that either, That's, yeah, but it's it has been, this is a if if you are privileged enough to have like a stable lifestyle during isolation, I think that this is a beautiful time to be able to develop yourself, develop your voice, like you're saying, to write things because I don't know about you, but for me, when the world is on fire, it is weirdly very inspirational and a, a 
really gets those creative juices going. Yeah. You know, I've had my moments like at the beginning of this whole pandemic, I was super productive, Mm -hmm. but I was also very aware of like, I don't want to burn out. And I also don't want to be one of those people that's like, you know, write your whole novel or whatever right now, you know, like I definitely believe that this is a time of, you know, relaxing and chilling and not putting that pressure on yourself to go crazy in any capacity. But we do have a little more free time. Like even if you were working a nine to five job in an office and now you're still working that job, you have automatically two hours of commute (laughs) that are now your hours (laughs) to do whatever you want, you know, to just set up your podcast studio at home or, you know, do whatever creative endeavor that you want to do or get into fostering dogs. You know, you have two hours every day now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's not even just the extra hours. It's the fact that people are at home. So you're able to just tap more into yourself, be less distracted by all the other outside influences and really like not just work on being productive, but work on self-care. Like, you know, I've been so much better about meditating every day and journaling and things like that, which I think with the go, go, go style of Los Angeles or the US, I'm not sure if this is everywhere or just here, but you know, that go, go, go lifestyle. It's like often I would be like, oh, well, I'm too busy to do that. I don't have time to do that today. And it's like, wow, now I'm I'm getting better about taking care of myself, which is its own project in and of itself, as I'm sure you know. Right. That's its own project, but it's also its own reward. Yeah. You know? it's something that when all this is done, you have like the awareness and the knowledge of like, okay, look, if I meditate every day, like literally every day, I'm a way better person. Now I know that because I did it every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no excuses, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I can show up better for people. I notice because I try to do it in the mornings and then sometimes there'll be like some sort of random call or something first thing in the morning and I don't get to it until lunch. And I'll always notice that like whatever conversations I have with someone before I've meditated, I just... I can feel the edge, you know, I have such, so much more of an edge to me, you know, and and I'm aware of it. Uh, But I guess awareness is the first step. And it's also, like you said, I know that I can show up better. I can be more patient. I can be a better listener. And also it's kind of, it's spiritual. I feel like I'm able to tap into whatever higher power is up there and actually like listen instead of just like, okay, time to go out and do everything that I think is a great idea. Sometimes (laughs) there's, there are other messages that you can hear if you, you quiet your mind enough. Absolutely. That's something I need to actually get better at, but yeah, you're completely (laughs) right. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so before we go, I wanted to ask you, do you have any last words of wisdom for anybody who might be feeling lonely or sad or totally weird during this time? Yeah. I mean, I would say something that's really helped me is just finding community um, in whatever community you are in. I don't know if you are in AA or if you're in, you know, improv, or if you're in, like, for me, I feel like my community it has actually been centered around my podcast. Like whatever it is that you're into where your people are, like find them and be active in them and don't expect others to necessarily 
show that activity back, you know, like I feel like a lot of people get lonely because we expect others to always be reaching out, but it's a two way street, you know, take some responsibility and do your reaching out, do your checking in with your community. And I think that that honestly, just like it creates these bonds that will last outside of this too, by the way. So there's never anything wrong with creating your strong community and just rolling with it. Yes. All right. Let's roll with it. Thank you for being here. Um, Thank you so much, Katie. And everyone, please go listen to her podcast, A Hot Pizza Ass. Check it out on all the things. And your um, your Instagram handle is, it's so many H's. It's oh. <laughs> four H's. <laughs> yeah. H-H-H-H-L-I-N-G. And for Hot Pizza Ass, it's A Hot Pizza Ass. If you guys are looking on Instagram, <laughs> I'll put you, yeah, I'll put everything in the show notes so people will find you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that it made you feel less weird about whatever random shit the universe has thrown at you lately. Uh, feel free to check out Aaron's social media info in the show notes or the episode guide on cryingbehindpod.com. We'll also have lots of resources on there and anything else we talked about. Uh, you can get more info on her podcast, which is A Hot Pizza Ass, uh, which you all should be listening to. It's very funny and very insightful. Uh, there's actually a recent episode with Karamo from Queer Eye. I highly recommend. And she has her new course, which is Find Your Voice in Comedy. If you are looking to get into stand-up or comedy writing in general, she's very experienced and very funny. Definitely worth it. Um, so what else? I guess subscribe, review, rate, share this with a friend who might also be feeling a little bit weird during these times. It might need a pick-me-up, you know? Or even, honestly, sometimes the people who put on the front, like we were talking about in the episode, the people who seem the most glamorous, they seem like they have their shit together. You know, secretly, we are all human. We all have those deep, dark moments, and we all need to find a way to get through those. So, yeah, connect with a friend. Even if it feels weird, send them a text and just say hi and maybe send them one of your favorite episodes. It could be fun. Who knows? Um, we're on Instagram at cryingbehindpod. I've been your host, Katie Dahl, and I'll continue to be that person for a while. So uh, next time you're sad, just throw on your sunglasses, take a walk outside, and remember, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. All right, till next time. Bye. Eerie.